Smartphones, DSTV, and 92.7 and 106 FM. It's five minutes after 11 o'clock. We'll continue with the conversations. Yeah, I've been, I've been looking for that song, The Call of Africa. I think it's called, no? The Plea for Africa. Indeed, that's what we found it. We'll play it uh, just at uh, the end of this particular conversation. Um, we don't want to waste Amanda's time. Uh, Amanda blankfield Kosef is founder and CEO of Empowervate Trust, talking about a mission to empower a new generation of South African citizens with the with her Youth Citizens Action Program. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, my producer, Tadeng, just waxed lyrical about this particular program, and uh, we are going to find out about it, and I'm hoping that you'll be part of that conversation on 11 and uh, of course, you can join us if you're in Cape Town on 021-446-0567. Amanda, thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for inviting me. So tell me a little bit more about the Empowervate Trust and your take on uh, the empowerment of young people in this country. So Empowervate Trust is an NGO and we were formed in 2013 to run the action program, which actually started at another NGO and incubated there before I moved it into its own entity. And so the program is actually 10 years old. Um, and the whole reason that it was started was because we could see that there were young people who wanted to be the team that wanted to make change, but they just didn't know how, they didn't know where to start, and yeah. they also didn't have a platform to focus what they've done and recognize what they've done. So that's what we actually decided to do. We said, let's go and find a toolkit that explains project management skills and a very easy to understand step-by-step format. Let's bring in values and let's bring in a platform that is a focus of what young people have done to make positive change in their schools and in their communities. So, so, so just uh, come back to me and, and explain to me, change in which areas of their lives uh, and how so? so the first um, thing that we did was we said we want young people to choose something that they're passionate about and something that, appear, that appeals and applies to them where they are in their circumstance. So we're not going to say, you know, drug abuse is a problem, all of you must do a project on drug abuse, or teen pregnancy is a problem, all of you have a project on that. Yes. We should rather look at a social issue, can be one of those or other issues, look at an environmental issue, which can be literal, vandalism, other issues like that, or it can be an educational issue, which is, you know, cookbook um, problems, you know, lack of facilities, um, absenteeism, discipline issues. So basically, we left it quite broad. We said those are the categories, and then within there, they can see something that they want to actually get involved in. And what what sort of age groups are we talking about here, Amanda? So we started out with just grade 10, which is like 16, 17-year-olds. And then we actually found out that the younger you start, the kind of thing, the better. So we added in the primary school element as well, which is grade 6 and 7. So now we've got the primary school, grade 6 and 7, and the secondary school, grade 9 and 10. And it's quite nice because also if you're participating in primary school, when you get to high school, you can come back again and participate. But the whole point is that the skill needs to be there and the, the sense of values need to be developed. And that's what we're very um, you know, focused on. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm having a, a bit of difficulty hearing you, Amanda. So perhaps if you can just move around a little bit. Uh, as we yeah, sink our teeth <laughs> into this conversation. So you looked at a number of um, areas that our young people are grappling with. You've opened it up uh, quite generously for them to choose areas that they might want to focus on. In practical terms, what does the empowerment 
um, platform look like? What does Empowervate Trust look like for, for somebody who doesn't have any idea what it's, it's about? So um, we basically design the program and we design the platforms, and then we work in collaboration with the Department of Education to actually implement it in the schools. Because we want to reach as many schools as possible. So the, the best place to do that is government. Yes. Because they have the most reach and have the systems in place. Yes. So we've actually been working with them for the last 10 years um, in rural areas and townships and also in urban areas. It's uh, mainly public schools. But we say that, you know, the better um, place to do it is to make sure that we can actually work as partners. So we've got that partnership and then we've got some, um, you know, funders, obviously, that make it possible. And we've got funders. Oh, oh, Amanda, I'm losing you. I, I've just lost you again. So can you, you hear me now? Uh, just move around a little bit more. No. Yeah, I think we can we, we can work with that. So you 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 you're in a partnership with the Department of Education. You've got some funders, uh, and, and and yeah, you were still telling me, yeah. Yes. Um. So so basically, the public-private partnership is the model that we use. Yes. And how it works is that um, the department gets the materials from us and distributes it to the schools, and then the school team is going to be the mentor for that team. And then the team of learners get together and they, they design the project. It has to be run by the learners. The yes. The project. And then the teachers will be guides. So they make What fun? they have to put together. Yeah. So what, what questions do you put before these youngsters to inspire them to start thinking about solutions to some of the challenges that they may have? And then how do you then support them practically in the process of creating whatever interventions that may that may that may uh, come from them specifically so the toolkit itself is like their, their guidebook so it has a motivation in it it shows them what they can do with young people and how they can be change agents and it shows them that there is a possibility that they can actually find solutions to problems they don't have to wait for adults governments and other institutions to solve those problems so that's like the the basic you know premise that we put forward to them and most of them get excited by that because they have wanted to be change agents. They just never knew how to do it, and no one ever gave them a platform to do it. Yeah. So that is the motivation. And then how we do it is we do step-by-step guides. So step one is how to form a team. So we show them how to do that. Step two is how to choose roles and responsibilities. They do that. Then the step three is you know, how to research what the topic could be, You know, what are the problems that you have. Yeah. And have three different methodologies to do that. And one of them is how to prioritize, which is the most urgent or important one that they want to work on. Then they, they have to do brainstorming to understand what solutions they could come up with. So they have to do research into what solutions they could be. They have to interview different people and ask them advice. You know, so it doesn't only have to be them specifically that do it. They are like the exco committee. They go and recruit people to help them to do this. Yeah. So they can go to the health department and say, look, we've got a problem with your pregnancy. Can someone come and help us to address that? Yeah. Or if it's one one of the things that that Ntateng, my producer and I were talking about as we were uh, thinking about this conversation with you was that we're fascinated by the idea that you are providing a toolkit that is going to assist uh, assist young people as young as sixteen seventeen to come up with solutions for society but from their perspective so in other words it's a it's a toolkit it's an opportunity for young people to to come up with uh, solutions from the perspective of the young person themselves uh, so often the 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 
the the solution comes from adults who are usually exactly. out of touch with uh, what it means and how it feels to be a young person at a particular time. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and what happens yeah. is that we, we tend to find a situation where there's a serious disconnect. Give me an example, if there are any, Amanda, of any successes of any projects that have been undertaken by young people in your program that you would consider to have been successful and have the potential of, of giving us um, game-changing sort of solutions for society. Well, there's so many of them. As I said, it's been 10 years of projects. So I'll give you two quick ones, and if you want more, I can give them to you. Sure. I don't know how much time we have. <laughs> so the first one is there was a problem with faction fighting in a village um, called Kentani Village in Butterworth. Yes. In Eastern Cape. And they were saying that basically they were scared to walk on the wrong side of the road because, you know, people would attack them because of the, the clashes with their different tribes. So they say, no, we can't live like this. This is not going to work for us. And the nearest police station is in Butterworth, which is an hour's drive away. Yeah. And they have to up this hill that's got terrible, you know, rocks and everything. It's like really impossible. So they said, how can we solve this problem as, you know, the great ten learners of the school and you know, as the community, how can we fix this? So they sat down and they brainstormed ideas and they came up with an action plan. And the action plan was the first thing is to speak to the police in Butterworth and say, can we appoint local community police here in Kintani Village? They can have the power to remove weapons from people who are, you know, attacking other people. And they got yes. that permission. Then they spoke to um, the community itself, like they went door to door, and they, they did campaigns where they explained that this is not right, we can't do this, we need to work together, and they did that. Then they did communal gatherings, so they got everyone together to understand each other and to see that it's not going to be helping anyone to be involved in the faction fighting. Yes. And actually, when they, when they finally got, you know, got an award at national level, we actually came to their school to do like a prize giving, you know, to say to them, well done to you for fixing this problem. Yep. And we had speeches from the community police and from the Butterworth police and from even the health department and people saying this school has changed our community so, so much. We can't believe that great 10 learners have done this. You know, we didn't even think of it. And then they came up with this and they implemented it. And even to this day, they've actually seen such a big improvement in that problem. Only because young people came with a different perspective. Give us a call if you are in Butterworth. Come from Butterworth. Uh, were, were you were you were perhaps privy to some of the um, episodes of violence that took place, as Amanda is describing, and uh, witnessed, of course, the change as a result of the intervention of these youngsters. How old were the the people we're talking about here, Amanda, who came up with these uh, interventions? The um, getting in touch with the various leaders, the police, bringing people to together to start talking to each other and not each other. How old were these leaders? They were 16, 17 years old. Wow. They were grade 10 learners and they had, um, they even went to the chief, you know, the local chief and got him involved because you can't do anything without the chief. Yeah. So they really had a lot of um, confidence and a lot of um, passion to make this happen. What do you attribute so, yeah. that success to? Do you attribute it to the fact that there was some sort of a, a plan that these youngsters could follow to, 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 to bring to fruition their idea? Because many times, Amanda, the reason why many ideas don't come to fruition is because people just don't have a plan, a structure, a way by which exactly. they can actually make it happen. Do you attribute it to that or do you attribute it to just the, the passion of youth, the, the resilience, the, the, you know, the, the, the power that youth have 
to just keep going at, at certain things? Look, I think that the passion was always there, but they just didn't know how to channel it and didn't know how to put it into a format and a structure. So having a toolkit that guided them in how to create an action plan, how to create a budget, how to fundraise, how to measure the impact. Develop a team. Made, I mean, that's, yeah. that's what made the difference, like in the team. So they also the message about their teacher, you know, someone there that was guiding them, but telling them, you're the guys who are coming up with the solutions. We are not going to be the ones telling you what to do. We are waiting for you to tell us. And that whole bottom-up approach changes everything. Teachers are discovering that they're actually learning from the kids. <laughs> are you? Around. Yeah, out of the mouth of babes. Hey, Amanda, yeah. out of the mouth of babes. Give us a call. 11 You are a young person. You're listening to the show now. And you're listening to my conversation with uh, Amanda, and you have a an idea, an idea that you passionately believe could change the face of society, at least of your community. But because you're 16, because you're 15, nobody wants to listen to what you've got to say. I'd love to take your calls. Amanda Blankfield Kosef is founder and CEO of Empowervate Trust. What they do is that they give you the tools, the psychological, practical, and any other form of framework to help you make your idea real. Give us a call. I'd love to hear from you uh, if indeed you have a plan of that nature. Give me that second example, Amanda, that you wanted to tell me about. So the second example is from Postmasburg in the Northern Cape. It's more like a mining village. There's, um, you know, not a lot of things going on there. You know, it's quite rural. And they had a, they had two schools, a primary school and a high school. And they've got, in the middle between them, they've got a graveyard. And this graveyard was not fenced. You know, there's no fencing around it. And they found that all the negative social ills were happening there in that graveyard. Yes. People were going there and selling drugs. They were doing sexual things. They were putting graffiti on the tombstones. Mm. You know, things weren't good in that, that space. So they said, Look, we want to actually get this graveyard fenced in. So the first port of call was obviously to go to the municipality. Yeah. So they and they said, look, this is the problem. Can you help us? And they said, look, you know, we've got a, a list of about 100 other issues that are very important that, you know, we have to do first. So this might happen in five years' time, but we can't guarantee that. They said, you know what, don't worry, we're going to do it ourselves. So they went and they found all the people that, you know, the relatives of those who are buried in that graveyard, and they said, do you want to see your relatives graves desecrated and, you know, destroyed and all these social things happening there that are not positive? Or do you want to help us to fix that? And they said, no, we want to fix that. I mean, we don't like this whole situation at all. So they got them to help, and then they went to local businesses and said, we need to fundraise 80,000 rand to actually get this thing fenced in. So can you help us with either donations in kind or can you help us with um, goods that we can make money to to do this? Mm. So the first thing was the bakery. The local bakery said, you're welcome to come and collect buns from us every morning and sell them at the school and make money. So they got free buns. Then the other, um, um, I think it was a Spur franchise, said you can come and wait and waitress with us and then we will give you 10% of the profits of that night for every many nights that you do the waitering. They got that. Then they went to um, local businesses and said, does anyone have you know, skills that they can provide for us or machinery that they can provide to build this fence? Yes. And within four months, they got the fence built. And they have a big sign in it that says, this was built by the YCAP team. These are the people who are involved. These are the sponsors that were involved. And now they're so proud of that. Every time when they drive past or they walk past it, they're like, wow, you know, this is actually something that we did our community and, and the school has grown in stature people want to send their kids to that school now because i think these are you know, positive influences on society 
You, you see, it is absolutely positive, uh, Amanda. And, and what I find intriguing and fascinating about this conversation is that these are homegrown solutions. These are solutions that grow organically, not only from those communities, but from, from the young people of those communities. In other words, those solutions have a shelf life for a very long time because those young people are going to be adults in those communities and they will understand the genesis of that solution from when they were young people. And that can only bode well for those uh, communities. Tell me about the the character of the ideas that come to you. Are they always community-based ideas? Are they entrepreneurial in nature? Are they... Uh, the reason why I'm asking this is because there are many problems in many of our communities. Many, many problems. And ever so often, the young people and the adults in those communities look to political parties. And, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I believe that political parties can do certain things. They've got their space. But many of the things and the solutions that are required in our communities are actually solutions that should be developed in the way that you are describing with regards to the various communities that you've talked about. What is the nature of the kinds of ideas that you've entertained? Are some of them entrepreneurial? Some of them, some of them just, or most of them just social in nature. What, what, what is, what are you looking for as ideas to come to you guys? So there's a mixture of both. I mean, do you encourage a social entrepreneurship mindset? And so even when you are in business one day or when you are working somewhere, always think about how you can make a positive change in your community. Don't only have, you know, profits as your, as your motivation. Yeah. So that is the, the values element that we always promote. But there are some that are money-making ventures, like the recycling programs that young people have put together. They say we realize that recycling is important for the environment, but it's also a way for us to make money for our school. And our school needs money. We need to build a science lab, which we don't have. How are we going to do that? We're going to recycle, make money from that, and use that to build the science lab. Yeah. So it's programs like that that work really well. And obviously, there is a fundraising element to the program. So while they are fundraising, they're learning business skills, they're learning budgeting, they're learning you know, how do you um, set the price of what you're doing so that you make a profit and you don't just spend whatever you put in. So those things are involved. But I say social issues are definitely and um, very popular, but educational are also very popular, like the problem of bullying, the problem of um, you know, discipline problems, you know, even teachers being absent. There's one school that did a project on how teachers are absent from class, and they had to work on that, which is quite a scary thing for young people to actually be saying, look, teachers, you're not doing your job properly. Yeah. But they actually managed to get them on board. Um, also, another one about parents. I said, our parents are not involved in our lives. We never see them. They're always at the Shabin. So they did a program around how to get parents more involved. Yeah. So, yes, it is, it is social in nature, but it actually affects the whole of society because the social issues become economic issues, which become educational issues. Yeah. Give us a call, 11 Just received a message from Vusi in Soweto in Ezola. He says, hey, Aubrey, I really appreciate the topic tonight. I've started a Bantu Growth Incorporation. Uh, I need help in bringing this general wealth concept to life. Please help me from Vusi. Uh, Vusi, please stay tuned. We'll get Amanda Blankfield Kosef's um, details for you, and uh, perhaps you can uh, get in touch with her directly. What I'm finding, Amanda, as I listen to um, you know heads of uh, CSI projects in big companies, uh, you know, so, uh, uh, corporate social investment uh, uh, funds that so- social investment funds are are, are wanting to, or, or projects that they want to uh, support financially. 
is that they are no longer looking for ideas that simply say, please give us money. Mm. Because I suppose they, like many other people, have been scammed and they are looking for things that have a deeper, longer lasting uh, character about them. What I've been getting from social, I mean, uh, 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 companies, uh, uh, CSI programs is that they're looking for young people that have got a program idea in place. I say this because I get a lot of people writing to me, specifically young people saying, Aubrey, please help me find money for this project. Please help me find money for this project. And my sense is that Big companies who do want to invest in these kinds of projects do want to invest, but they want to see a sense of organizedness Hmm. in uh, the approach by young people who many of them have some great ideas that can be quite revolutionary in sorting out social uh, and and, and maybe, uh, you know, um, economic problems in their communities. To what extent in your experience, Amanda, are the ideas that young people have to fix the issues in their societies of a financial nature versus that of an organizational na- nature? Well, obviously, because they're still at school. They, you know, they're still young people. They're not in the workforce. They're not trying to actually start a business right now. Yeah. You know, it can't actually be put at that level. But the, the whole mindset behind it has to be there. And, and the fact is that even when they do want to start a business, they have to have all of these um, skills in place. And they have to show exactly what they want to do in a very organized way. They have to show action plans. They have to show business plans. And they have to also show that they're piloted it, even with their own money that they managed to raise. Yes. However it was, whether they were waitering, whether they were selling things, they have to show that they actually raised their own funds to do a small pilot to prove that their idea can actually be implemented. Yeah. Because funders are not looking for someone's idea. Many people have ideas. It's ideas don't solve any problems. Yes. They want to see, are these things actually practical, actionable, you know, impactful ideas? Yeah. And once they are... You know, showcasing that they've actually started this and they can do it, then funders get interested and they say, okay, we can take this and we can take it to the next level with you. We can fund you, you know, we can give you a loan and we can fund you for a certain amount of time and see how it goes. And that's how people get successful. So the whole, um, the whole motive of the Randy of the program is to say, guys, you can't expect people just to give you money for an idea. You're not going to get that. Yep. Give us a call, 011-883-0702 or 21 Tating, how many times have you had people call us, say, I'm just looking for funding? <laughs> no, 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 guys, people are not going to give you funding. Yeah? They want to see how practical your idea is. And sometimes the reason why that idea isn't at that level is simply because you don't have the know-how. You don't know how to put together a project plan. You don't know how to put together a budget. And there's nothing wrong with that. What Amanda Blankfield, Kosef, and her organization, Empower Vay Trust, have done is that they've given you that platform. That idea that you have, yeah? That idea to solve a socioeconomic problem in your community. That idea that you have for the empowerment of young women in your community. That idea that you have for... Uh, I had somebody uh, talk to me, Amanda, about how they can uh, try and um, uh, lift young graduates who are not able to find a job uh, to a place where companies can see them. I suppose it's a recruitment agency of sorts. And this guy was saying to me, I'm looking for funding. Well, you know what? It's not where... 
it's got to you've got to have a project plan if i'm understanding you properly amanda yeah. then the funders yeah. will uh, look at your idea with some level of seriousness if i understand and you, you correctly have a case study to show that it works even if you've got one person that you've placed in a job yeah put that into your business plan and say look this is the person this is the situation they were in we did this and that and this is the outcome at least it's proven that you've done something not just you know sitting there with this idea and thinking that you're going to solve all the world's problems but yeah. you haven't even done anything yeah so, so give us a call if indeed you, you are looking to start some sort of a program. You have an idea. Sometimes it just starts there. You know, it's just an idea, but you just don't know how to make it live. There's nothing wrong with not knowing how to make it live. That's why we've got people like Amanda Blake Fulkosa. She knows how to make it live. Uh, and maybe your idea plus the, 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 the plan, the uh, blueprint that Amanda and her organization has put together uh, can change people's lives. So give us a call. If you've got a particular idea, give us a call. We'd love to hear it. Uh, and uh, perhaps something is going to come out of that particular idea. Uh, Amanda, so in it, it appears as though you have a national footprint. Do, do, yes. where, where are you present? We've got um, schools in every province, all nine provinces. Um, a lot of rural areas, as I mentioned, that's one of our focuses. Um, and we've got um, schools in uh, Manamonelo and Kopo and, as I said, Tintan Village in Eastern Cape, you know, um, Yulu Land in COVID. And I mean, like, you know, that we've got a yeah. different day. Yeah. And this year we've got about um, 400 schools that have signed up to be part of the program. So it's quite a big footprint, but there are 24,000 schools in the country. So if we get more funding, we can definitely get all those 24,000. Where are you getting your funding from? So um, we've got a major donor, Deutsche Bank Foundation, which has been funding us from the beginning for 10 years. And then um, GSV, the career company, they've been um, our partners for five years. But unfortunately, with the economic crisis, you know, both of them have had to yeah. cut back on their CSR funding, and they've cut our funding with all of their other beneficiaries. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a very difficult time for all NGOs. A lot of them are actually closing down. Yeah, So yeah. we just we just making sure that we can sustain ourselves and we can find ways of, you know, um, getting the funding that we didn't, that we're not getting, you know, make it up in other ways. Yeah. So we're doing our crowdfunding campaigns and events and things like that, fundraising events. But it's a tough, it's a tough economy out there. Somebody said to me once, Amanda, that it's not necessarily, that it's not necessarily your idea that gets people to fund it it's the articulation of the idea it's how you speak it it's how you ignite the imagination of a funder for various reasons Uh, the afrikaner says what is my teen prestasi how do you how do you make the funder understand what they can get out of it and it's not always financial it's not always monetary that a funder is looking for some sort of monetary return on investment. Sometimes they're just looking for, I don't know, um, a mention in that particular pr- project. So mm-hmm. is part of your initiative, your process to help young people articulate their idea in such a way that it is heard and understood and appreciated by those who have the money? Well, those who have the money, I can't comment on that because we give prize money to those who win. So we've got a panel of judges and they choose, you know, the most impactful projects and yeah. those ones get you know, funding to continue. But out there in the world, it's not going to be as simple as that unless they enter, like, you know, the innovation challenge and things like that. Yeah. Um, 
So for those programs are going to be more um, common. I think they're going to be the way that people get their funding. Like, you know, idols and the voice and all of that. Yes. Like that, but for, for businesses. Like, that's the way they're going to have to do it. But um, we do actually help them with <laughs> presentation skills yes. and with portfolios. I, I laugh because th- that idea has been has been um, has been uh, entertained on this very show. We we tried something out a couple of years ago. What do we call it again? That thing. Um, oh, now I forget, man. Uh, it was it was an idea similar to what you were talking about. We had the idea that you know what, maybe we might have a voice or a, an idol's kind of uh, tryout for for ideas. Um, mm. And then link people with 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 people such as yourself, and then have some sort of a project management drive, uh, late night fellowship. That's what we called it, late night fellowship. That's what, and mm. it was absolutely well attended. I mean, there were so many people who came to that thing. I, I can really. <laughs> so that there are people with ideas. There's lots of ideas out there. The big problem, Amanda, is how do we take that idea and make it into real operational bite sizes? And I think that that's what you're ultimately saying. Real operational bite sizes that can make this thing actually practically work, yeah? Well, I'll give you another example of an active citizenship campaign. It's not even linked to us, but it's just a brilliant example of how one person had a vision and said, you know what, I don't have funding for this, but I'm going to just get partners Yep. even the same vision to come and work with me and make this happen. I don't know if you know the park called The Wilds. Yeah, I know The Wilds very well. I used to go to school to the school right next to The Wilds. Exactly. <laughs> the, the boys' school, not like, the girls' school. Do you remember, do you remember for like 20 years it was um, a place that no one went to because it was full of crime? Yeah, people and were no afraid, yeah. Walking there, you were like, terrified of going to. So there's, there's a guy who's named James Delaney, who's an artist, and he said, I live right by The Wilds and I can't even go in there. This is a problem. I'm going to solve this. And he got people involved, he got the municipality, he got other partners, he got friends to go in there, clean up that place, and make it beautiful. I mean, if you go there now, you'll never believe that it was what it was 20 years ago. Yeah. It's beautiful, it's well-maintained, and it gets the people who come there to volunteer and to help to maintain it. So if you come there, don't just go and have a picnic and go home. Come and help us to pull out weeds. Come and help us to cut off the dead you know, plants. Come and help us to make sure that um, you don't leave the place with litter. Yeah. So, so basically, he's getting everyone involved in keeping that park um, pristine and livable and enjoyable for everyone. Yeah. And he's yeah. definitely municipality so excited about it. They even, you know, giving him support that they would never have done if it weren't for him. You know, I've, I've found. Yeah, that's an example of how yeah, to yeah. I found I found Amanda that any problem, in order for it to be solved, whether it's litter, whether it is unemployment, whether it is whatever problem, challenge there is in life, we've got to be willing to get up and up close and personal with it. We've got to get our hands dirty, not just talk about it. I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. I'm a talk show host. So yeah, no, I'm happy to talk about problems. But but I, I've I've come to understand that in order for any problem to be solved, somebody has got to get up and not just pontificate, not just think about it, not just find the problems, but really get up and get up and close and and personal with the problem, get their hands dirty, touch it. And only then does the problem begin to realize that it is out. But if you just talk about it and you think about it and you you think about it some more and you, <laughs> you think about it some more, you talk about it some more, the problem isn't going to go away. And, and and I think that a big reason why people think and talk about things so so often is because they just don't know what to do as a first step to operationalizing the idea. And you're yeah. saying, well, you've got the tools for that. Yeah, 
Exactly. So, don't just talk about it, do it. Yeah. So um, Leon in Bloemfontein writes to me and he says, Hi, I took a year off to write a comprehensive training program for job seekers, teaching them how to write a CV and groom, groom them for an interview. I give full day training. Would Amanda be able to assist me by getting off the ground? And if so, may I have her contact details? And that's from Leon. Would you be able to help her, um, Amanda? Sure, look, um, I think mentorship is a big part of the process. And I, like I said, the teachers are mentors for the, the young people. We are mentors as well. We've got a team of volunteers that are mentors who've been through the program themselves. So, you know, we're happy to help with advice and guidance. I don't say that I know all the answers, yep. but I can sure point people in the right direction. Craig Nutley says, awesome chat with Amanda Aubrey. The creative in our South African youth needs to be awakened by initiatives like this. Uh, I think uh, old Jake's failed us when it comes to moral regeneration, but creative youth generation is a worthy uh, replacement. Do you find, Amanda, that once the young people that you have mentioned actually get up and do, right? Not just just talk or pontificate or or conceptualize, okay? But once they Mm -hmm. actually do, do you find that there is a change in the way that they perceive the world, they perceive themselves. Uh, do you find that that happens? That is actually the, the secondary element of the program. The, it's like a two-pronged approach. The first is the community development, and the second is the personal development. We're very big believers in life coaching and mentorship and you know, self-esteem and confidence. And we think that as soon as someone has found that they can make a change, no matter how big or small, it makes them realize they can make other changes. And they can change their lives in different ways. They can realize that they don't have to be in this situation, whether they're living next or they're in a bad situation. That's not their life. They can actually move out of there. They can you know, go and study something. They can go and start a business. They can um, find better friends that aren't putting them in negative situations. Yeah. They actually become like pioneers as well in their school. Like a lot of young people who've gone through WICAP, they start running programs at the school. They suddenly, the principal says, you know, this kid was so shy before. I never know he was there. Now suddenly he's running the assembly. Yeah. <laughs> Things like that. So it like awakens this spark of um, you know motivation and and energy to actually make change. And that's what we think is the main element of the program. Because well, without that, how's that going to I've found that with myself personally, and I've found that with many other youngsters that I've had to that I've crossed paths with in in one way or the other. That once we get over the that place where we just want to talk about things, where we just analyze, where we just talk and think about things, when we actually start to get involved at a very, very practical level. I mean, uh, I'm on a drive at the moment, Amanda, to teach my kids who are prepubescent children the value of precisely what we're talking about now by just picking up the papers outside the house. Just pick, pick, just do it. No, let's not argue about it. Let's not, let's not think about it. Let's just do it. And I find that once they start doing it, once they start picking up the papers, putting them in the dustbin, seeing the fact that there is a change in the environment because of their direct involvement in uh, the removal of litter in that environment and actually seeing the beauty of their own handiwork, something literally changes in them. You know, I'm talking about six-year-olds and two-year-olds here, right? But yeah, something yeah. literally changes in their 
facial expressions, in the way that the, the tone of their voice speaks. There's, a, there's an authority. There's a, there's a pride. There's a, something happens in them. It's empowerment. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so maybe that's the answer for our country, for many of our it problems, is. yeah? That we, we yeah. need to stop talking about stuff so and much. Stop doing. Yeah. And doing it in a positive way, not burning tires and burning libraries. And what, that's the negative way. Sure. We need to do the positive way, not just wait for people to do things for us. We yep. need to be active and involved. Well, Amanda, I want to thank you very much for your the conversation you and I have had. Um, how do people get in touch with you if they want to take this conversation a little further? So our website is www.empowervate.org. Yep. Empowervate is empower and motivate. That's how we got the word empowervate. Yep. So it's empower and then V-A-T-E. And then Facebook, Empowervate, and Twitter, or Empowervate, Instagram, YouTube. There's lots of videos on there, success stories. So everyone wants to look at that. Um, and obviously you'll find our contact details on the website as well. Well, Amanda Blankfield, Kosef, thank you very much, and I wish you all the best with your initiative. Thank you very much for talking to us. Thank you very much. Great stuff. Amanda Blankfield, Kosef, uh, founder and CEO of Empowervate Trust. Give me a call and let me know what your thoughts are.